Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Tuesday edition, that means... John McClain is with us, about to uh, be joined by the man in black from Houston. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. They have, Paul, what do you have right in front of you here? This is the special summer summer moonshine they have going. Some beach. Some beach flavor. I have a Cream feeling there's a liqueur. little. I have a, I have a feeling there's maybe a pina colada flavor to that. Um, that's seasonal and available for a limited time. It's got a nice looking palm tree. I like there. the bottle, uh, the jar, I should say. I've got a little margarita in front of me. Speaking of some beach, another that's where I wish I was. Another right some beach. John McLean joins us <laughs> on OutK360. What, uh, John? Uh, how are you? That's what we call a segue, right there. Best in I the was beach. just thinking. Paul seems like a pina colada type. <laughs> I'm really not. More of a margarita guy. Oh, uh, a cold. There's uh, some some things just taste better on the beach than than in a restaurant or anywhere else, right? Like pina colada, abs- It is a must if you're uh, if you're in the sand somewhere. Um, the truth is, Jonathan. Yeah. Everything tastes better on a beach. Well, that's fair. So fair true. enough. Fair enough. Uh, John, we have uh, some clarity in twenty of the twenty four cases, the civil cases for Watson. Uh, where it was announced that though 20 of the cases have been settled, this coming from Tony Busby, your, your reaction to the, to the report and the, the headline from the attorney today and, and ultimately what it means moving forward now? First of all, it means absolutely nothing when it comes to uh, the decision the NFL will hand down about the suspension, which just about everybody thinks it's going to be for a season. And, I would like to ask Watson, and I'll never get the chance, back when you could have made this go away for 30000 and then 100000 who told you not to do it? Was it the man in the mirror, family, friends? Who was it that told you not to do it? And then, of course, considering he's making $230 million guaranteed, he made $10.54 million last year, $27 million up front to sign with the Texans, his last contract. You know the price went up. And also because there are so many of the plaintiffs who have reached a settlement, it's going to leak out. There's no way they're going to prove who it was. Now, right before the trading deadline last year, November 2nd, He had no trade clause. He said he would only go to Miami. They had a deal worked out. Three ones, a three, and a five. And I was on Thursday. And then Thursday afternoon, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, said, I want those 22 suits settled. And they went to work. It's the first time Watson had given approval 
to work on settlements. They got 18 of the 22. And they decided it was all or nothing. They should have done the 18 and then had the other four. And Tony Busby said at the time it was because the other four didn't want to sign non-disclosures. They wanted to be able to tell their stories. And the key to all this, Ashley Solis, who was the first one to file civil suits, she was the one who talked in the first news conference. She's the one that talked in the feature on Brian Gumbel's HBO show. She's kind of been the face for the plaintiffs. She did not reach an agreement. And I'm guessing she's one of those who didn't want to sign a non-disclosure. And I'm guessing she will get the biggest payout if indeed she settled. She may want it to go to court. She may want more money, but this is a positive step for Watson. And remember last week, Tony Busby said two more were going to come forward and file civil suits. And this does not preclude even more. Because remember, New York Times said there were 66 over a 17-month period. And I look back on that and I wonder how many did he give money to, if any, to not disclose what went on uh, between them and the massages. I'm intrigued by the by the league, by the investigation, not not taking into account this as part of whatever penalty is coming. I, I don't know how you are able to set that aside in any investigation one way or the other with this. Um, and I know Brian McCarthy had that in the statement, but there, there is I mean, there was um, there was discussion late last year that if he settled these cases, what would be allowed from the league for him in Miami, for instance, how, how would they not read into this or, or add this on to whatever suspension is headed his way? Well, it may mean that he's settling it because he wants to put it behind him. Doesn't mean it's an admission of guilt. I think at this point, because of the unprecedented nature of these lawsuits, the sheer numbers of the lawsuits that are there for everybody to read, 24 women tell a similar tale about what he wanted. And I think in this case, reaching the, the settlements they did, the league's happy, the Browns are happy, the Texans are happy, because they all want it to go away. And as I've talked to you guys before, if I'm the Browns and I was negotiating with his agent, David Mulligetta, and offering $230 million guaranteed, I've said before, I would want to guarantee that this was cleared up for training camp, and I still bet it will be. Is it there, John, now a guarantee? If you're Watson's camp and you settle with 20 of the 24, and Tony Busby is the one representing all the plaintiffs, all 24, I feel like you have to get some sort of assurances that there's not going to be two or three more women that come forward two weeks from now uh, and that pile onto this and that you're now just working on finalizing the other four. Do you think that's probably part of it for Watson to do this? Because it was Busby who announced the settlements of the 20 with the four remaining. Wouldn't that be the ultimate curveball if after all this, Tony Busby then found three or four more women? that came forward and added them to the suit after settling all 20 of these? They could come out and file criminal charges against it. Then they would have to investigate like they did the others. Then they would have to go before the grand jury. Just because he reaches settlements with 24 doesn't mean more are not out there. There have been several who've told their story who did not file 
a civil suit, and they did not go to Tony Busby to represent them, and so they could still do it. So this doesn't mean it's uh, close to being over. I think it just means that despite what both sides have said, including Watson, you know, they do want to reach settlements, and I think they will on everything. Then, of course, we got to wait for the suspension. It'll It'll be it's being predicted to be the Friday night, uh, the the news dump night uh, on July Fourth weekend, and uh, I think if the NFL does that, it's so transparent. Just announce it in the morning, like they did. Busby did today, so we can talk about it all day. And uh, everybody just wants it over, none more so than Watson and the Browns. And if he gave every woman a million dollars, twenty four million, and he had. He has all that money guaranteed. That means he's only going to have what? 196 million guaranteed. John, what would be unprecedented for a suspension? Well, there have been season long suspensions of players. Trevor Bauer got two years in baseball. I'll be surprised if it's more than a year. Now, maybe they'll ask to be more than a year. Then Goodell or someone he appoints can come back and act lenient. Okay, we're going to reduce the 20 game suspension down to 17. And the union, according to a lot of reports, the union is going to fight for Watson and say, hey, You haven't suspended Dan Snyder. You haven't suspended Jerry Jones or Mark Davis or Stephen Ross or any of these other owners who are in trouble. Well, of course they don't. Roger Goodell, it works for them. You know, they don't work for Roger Goodell. So, of course, it's going to be, if there's going to be a suspension, it's got to come through Goodell, but recommended by the owners. So that doesn't surprise me a bit. In this case, because of the numbers, and because of the charges by the plaintiffs in their civil suits, it's it's an unprecedented situation in the history of any sport. And that's why it's undergoing so much scrutiny. And that's why when Goodell finally announces the penalty, it's probably got to be one of those where people think, wow, that's more than I thought. And I think if they do it for less than a season, a lot of people are going to complain that he got off lightly. Whether if it's a season, I don't know how anybody could complain about that. When, when this all came down, was there any worst case scenario in, in your head where you conceived that that we we would have it unresolved uh, a month out from training camp 2022? Paul, I've always thought it'd be done right before training camp, and I still feel that way because it's not fair to the Browns players, coaches, and you know, it's not fair to Browns fans all over the world. Uh, it, and who cares about, you know, the Haslam's because they they allowed their front office to make this deal for $230 million. But I think that's why – because of Browns players, they need to get on with their season. They need to know who's going to be the starting quarterback. Now, when you get suspended, you can work out with your team till the season begins. And I'm guessing they wouldn't want Watson working with the first team. They'd want Jacoby Brissett working with the first team. But they still got so many problems. Watson, Baker, Mayfield, I think they'll have these issues cleared up by the time training camp starts so they can focus on getting ready for regular season. But right now, everybody's waiting with bated breath. When will he be suspended and for how long will it be? John McClain with us. John, best best of your knowledge, what, what are we waiting on now as far as that 
being handed down. I know the independent investigator will turn things over to the disciplinary, uh, more oh, or less, sure. director uh, for for the NFL. But what what needs to happen in order for that to conclude? If you think about all the investigations going on right now in the NFL, with Washington being the most prominent, it's not that this is the only thing on their daily agenda. You know, they've only got so many investigative people. And plus, because of how many women have sued Watson, it takes longer. And you can imagine what's going on with, like, say, Dan Snyder, things he's holding back, things he's trying to conceal. And then there's Watson that they uh, they didn't even interview every one of the plaintiffs. And I remember Ashley Solis was very critical of the uh Frail, the head of the investigation for the NFL, a woman, with the way she treated her, said she asked her stuff like, what were you wearing? And she said, what does that have to do with anything about what he did to me? So I think when it was over, they had to go back and, and new things popped up. They had to go back and go over things with others. Uh, they spent four days with Deshaun Watson. And when they do hand down the final penalty, they don't want it to be something where 100% of the people in the court of public opinion that they all agree or disagree with it. I think it's got to be a deal where most agree with it. That's why I think it'll be a season. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Coming up, we discuss the career of Rob Gronkowski, who announced his retirement uh, officially today. Again, uh, he's stepping away from the game with a, a, a lengthy statement. We'll, we'll dive into Gronk's career and where we would put him on that tier for his position. He's up there. Uh, also, we get John's opinion on... Daniel Snyder and Roger Goodell. Goodell's going to speak in front of the House Oversight Committee. Meanwhile, the House Oversight Committee tried to make things extremely easy on Dan Snyder to speak to them. He's not going to. We will discuss what all that means with John. Headlines and more across the NFL with John McClain on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. John McClain with us on Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. And that includes 94.9 The Fan right here in Nashville where we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. 
and uh, a number of other stations uh, uh, across the, the southeast and beyond. John, I'm surprised Rob Gronkowski isn't coming back for another season with Tom Brady. How surprised were you that today he announced his retirement? I thought it was very interesting because his agent, through Rosenhaus, had said this morning he thought he would not retire. They must not have gotten their signals uh, straight because then Gronk announced he was retiring. Then Rosenhaus came back and said, ah, I bet Brady calls him and talks him out of it. So the bottom line is we don't know if you can believe Drew Rosenhaus is not like Gronk hasn't retired before. You know, he's as good a receiver as there's ever been at tight end right up there with Kellen Winslow. But the thing that set him apart is he's a good blocker too. And I don't know how Paul feels, but I believe he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. John, he said in his announcement on Instagram that uh, in college he had an assignment uh, talk about what he wanted to do for a living and where. I'm wondering if you did that at Baylor, if you got that out of the way like most of us in the fifth grade. Well, I was working at uh, Waco Tribune Herald full-time while I was at Baylor, and before that I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do except stay out of the draft and not have to go to Vietnam like so many others of my friends, including a couple who were killed. But the only time I can ever remember anything saying anything about me have have a career in writing was in the sixth grade when I hit a kid and he went to the teacher and the teacher made me write a 10 page report on anything I wanted. So I wrote a thing about the future, a guy jumping through time and I was in the sixth grade, and they called my parents to come up there, and they were telling them I got in trouble. And I got home, and I said, well, am I grounded? And my mom said, the teacher said she thinks you got a talent for writing, and we should do something to nurture it. And I said, huh. And I got my bat and went out and played baseball, and it was never brought up again. <laughs> uh, John, by the way, the Drew Rosenhaus statement about him coming back came after the retirement announcement. Drew Rosenhaus immediately after the retirement announced said, wouldn't surprise me if Tom Brady calls him during the season and Rob come, call, comes back. Just my opinion, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if Rob comes back during the season if he gets a call from Tom Brady. In that retirement announcement, he does not mention or thank the Patriots. Did that surprise you at all, John? No, it did not. You know, the fact is, you know, Amazon finally announced today about Ryan Fitzpatrick being part of their team. I'll bet you if Gronk had made this clear before, Amazon would have been all over him, as would others, because there's no doubt he's going to be great if he wants to do a studio show. I would watch it just to hear what comes out of Do you Gronk's really think mouth. so, John? Uh, that that oh, interests yeah. me with Gronk because he's not the brightest. Uh, guy out there like he's fun but I just don't see him in a straight laced studio show setting I almost see him doing like vignettes for ESPN.com or doing fun things that are not football related you think he'd be good in a studio setting I sure do because he says whatever comes to his mind. They put Steve Smith on one. Steve Smith's the most outlandish guy on TV, and they don't try to 
throw a net over him. So I think Gronk would be tremendous for that reason. Not as a game day analyst. I don't think he's that patient. Can't imagine he wants to put in all that work to travel every week. But I'd love to see him in a studio show over some of these guys who are there just because of their names, not because they're interesting. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say he's not smart. He's not cerebral. But then again, neither is Terry Bradshaw, and it's worked out fine for him on a studio show for years and years. So it can work out. I think he'll end up on something like American Ninja Warrior or something like that <laughs> instead of a studio Calling show. Calling WWE matches. Yes. Ringside. I mean, that, that's right up his alley. I, I just I do not see him in any traditional football analysis role. May, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be something else sports entertainment related. No matter what, John, he's going to get paid if he wants to be in media. If he did, he wants to do that. You know, he does commercials. He's done a lot of things in Vegas. Chad, you could be right about where we might see him next. But I'll guarantee you, if you think about everybody that's on a studio show, some of them in there are not real bright. Others are boring to death. And they put a lot of people on TV who are boring and gone after one or two years. And the one thing we know Rob Gronkowski would not be boring. Four Super Bowls. Uh, he's on the NFL's 100th anniversary team, 2010's all-decade team. He's 33 years old. Paul, you you went through the accolades uh, earlier pre-show and just all the the numbers with his career. John says first ballot. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it'd be hard for him uh, not to make it. I think he's a guy you could probably stand up, say his name, and sit down if you're presenting him. That's high praise because there's not many you can do that with. That happens. But there's not many you can do that with, especially non-quarterback, John. Until last season, people were trying to say, well, he only he didn't play 10 years. But he played, he won, he was a blocker, he was a great receiver. He lined up in the slot. He lined up wide. He got double coverage. He got the heck beat out of him in coverage because he was such a big target. And I always felt bad for defensive backs who had to cover him because he's almost 6'6", and he's fast, and he's tough. And it was it was such a mismatch. And fortunately for him, he got to play with Tom Brady. Coverage, coverage nightmare. I mean, uh, it kind of set up the trend now of uh, not that these guys wouldn't have fo- uh, followed in his shoes, but you know the Travis Kelseys of the world are are following in his footsteps, right? Oh, for sure. Well, and he was pieced together with duct tape for so much of his career. I mean, the toughness of him and what he fought through uh, over the course of his career is pretty incredible. And I mean, I I tend to lean towards what Drew Rosenhaus is saying. He's oh, going to end up. I expect him back. when Tommy calls. When Tommy calls, you take Tommy's call and you and do look, what Tommy says. He had a big start to last season before he got hurt. You'd rather have those games later than earlier. And he still set those markers on the contract. Brady came back out for the extra series to make sure he caught one. One That's more right. pass for the million. Um, Let me say one more yeah. thing, right quick. Please. Um, since teams don't repeat as champions, it hasn't happened since the Patriots in the early 2000. I'm discounting the Rams despite signing so many players. So who would be the second most likely team? Would it be the Buccaneers with Gronk coming back to play with 
Brady again going after another ring. I can't see another team better than them, especially when you think of Brady throwing for more than 5,000 yards last season. I love to watch them play, and Gronk is a big part of that. And I think if I had to pick a team from the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, I'm not picking the Rams for the reason I just mentioned. I'm going with the Buccaneers, and Gronk knows if he's going to – if another ring's important to him at 33 years of age – he needs to come out of retirement and play for Tampa. Remember a few years ago when we thought Brady was deteriorating that one season because <laughs> he was getting rid of the ball so quick, and then he just continues to to crush it? He's also, John, when you talk about Brady, he made the comments during the match about uh, maybe I'm a little bit crazy or you know I'm not completely into it right now. Do you buy any of that with Brady, or do you just assume that once training camp gets here and he's with the team, he's going to be locked in? Yeah, like I think after the season, you know, he was worn down mentally, physically, wanted to be with his family. family. He spent a couple months with them, and then they're probably ready to give him back and because they know he wants to keep playing. And he puts himself at his age probably through a regime on and off the field like no other because how else do you explain what he's been able to do at such an advanced age, about to turn 45 in August? And so I'm sure he has second thoughts, but man, he's a great competitor. The hardware is important to him. He knows he's got 37 and a half million a year waiting for him when he does retire. So I'm not surprised he's coming back. I was surprised when, if he'd have stayed retired, I would have been very surprised. And we've been, we've been so fortunate to see these quarterbacks that we've watched since this passing era in which they opened up the rules in 1978 to benefit the passing game. Five years later, we had Elway, Marino, and Jim Kelly, that great uh, draft with quarterbacks. And since then, it's just been one great quarterback after another. And then, of course, Brady is the greatest of all time. And it's been a privilege to cover him and Manny and all these great quarterbacks. And it looks like that well is not going to run dry. Getting a little bit of steady news now on Baker Mayfield and what the Browns are willing to pay and what might happen here in the very near future. John, do you think we're getting closer to some sort of finality with Baker Mayfield and where he's going? I do, but I don't understand why it's a big deal to multi-billionaires to pay $18 million for his contract. Like Dave Tepper is the wealthiest owner in the NFL to Walton is officially approved. And why $18 million is a big deal to him. Give me Mayfield healthy over Sam Darnold any day of the week. I'd ship Sam Darnold to Cleveland and let him play with Jacoby Brissett this season if Watson is suspended. But I would want a hungry Mayfield with his surgically repaired left shoulder in the last year of his contract was something big to prove. Give me Mayfield over Darnold. I still don't understand what Seattle's doing with all those skill position players. Two new draft choices, first and third round in the offensive line, and they're going with Geno Smith. You gave us a rationale for Tampa Bay and the NFC, so uh, we're not going to hold it, hold you to it. But at this stage, if you had to pick somebody to be opposite Tampa Bay in, in a Super Bowl, who would it be out of the stacked AFC? Now, Paul, I think most people are going to pick Buffalo. You know, I wouldn't pick Cincinnati, Super Bowl loser. Other New England never goes back. And they've got so much balance. 
I think the teams in the West are going to beat each other up. None of them are going to get home field advantage. I think it won't be anybody from the North or the South. I think it's going to be the Bills. That division is not real tough, and so I think it's going to be Buffalo. So why not Buffalo against Tampa Bay? John, going back to the the Mayfield discussion, why does Pete Carroll continue to lie to his fans? Uh, the, the recent quote, I mean, it's a straight-up lie. Pete Carroll, confident in Geno Smith, drew a lot. Quote, we're in good shape at the position. How can you look into a camera or speak into a microphone to your fan base and say that if you're the Seattle Seahawks head coach? How can you be in a meeting room and say it to your players? They see these guys on the field. They see Geno Smith. They see Drew Locke. And if Drew Locke is second team to Smith, either he's getting the greatest coaching in the history of the NFL or they've got something up their sleeve. Now, I know they were interested in Watson. His people told him he has no interest in going across the country. So it never came out any kind of serious push. And they were interested in him. And I don't understand why they're not interested in Mayfield, at least for one year. And when you're going to get the best out of him, maybe something's happened with Geno Smith behind the scenes that we don't know about. Maybe it's like, the movies invasion of the body snatcher somebody's come from another planet and they've taken over geno's body that's the only way you could explain it because nobody believes it it's incredible to me john to see the different uh valuations of quarterback across the league and what i mean by that is you look at the rams and the niners and they said so long to a super bowl quarterback to go upgrade at the position right rams get rid of jared goff to bring in Matthew Stafford, 49ers going away from Jimmy Garoppolo, who got them to a Super Bowl, because they knew they had to upgrade his position. Then you've got teams like Pittsburgh, Seattle, Pittsburgh, hey, Mitchell Trubisky, fine. That'll, that'll, that'll be fine. We can win with him. Seattle and what Pete Carroll's saying. Is it a division of old school, new school, or is it just simply the offensive-minded guys like McVay and Shanahan are a different breed? That's a great observation, Chad. Like that could be what it is. They know more about offense and their head coaches, and they can get things done in the organization, no matter how much it costs. And Pete Carroll going with Geno Smith, if his roster was bad, I could see it. Try to get a high pick and get one of these quarterbacks next year, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, but his roster is too good to be bad. You know, they might finish seven and nine. That's not going to get one of those top quarterbacks, no matter how bad Geno Smith is or Drew Locke. To me, it is the most under-publicized mystery of the offseason why the Seahawks seem to be satisfied with Geno Smith. John, uh, Daniel Snyder out of the country, and uh, his lawyer sent a letter uh, a note to the House Oversight Committee who is uh, holding this hearing tomorrow um, to discuss and uh, hear those that come in and, and will give testimony on the toxic workplace environment. Goodell was also invited. Goodell is apparently going to speak to them. Uh, Snyder is not. In fact, they, they attempted to um, go to uh, or sit, make accommodations for Snyder over in Europe. Uh, where he is to allow him to be there and still be in front of the House Oversight Committee, and he's not going to do that. Uh, They can subpoena him at the end of all of this if they so choose, can they not? 
Uh, yes, and I'll say this. This is one of maybe the only smart thing Snyder's done since he bought the franchise. Because why in the world would he subject himself to a witch hunt? Because they've got the goods on him, and they want to question him about it unless he absolutely positively has to be there. He'd be stupid to be there because they make him look like a bigger fool than he already is. How are they going to make Goodell look on this? I think Roger Goodell is a lot smarter than Dan Snyder. For sure. I think he knows how to be evasive, give them just enough to satisfy him. He can't be intimidated by any politicians. And I think it's going to get a lot of attention. And I think it makes him look good to show up just like it makes Snyder look bad. But I still think it's a smart move by Snyder because if he is ever, ever in front of politicians or the media, he's just going to get eviscerated and will all be deserved. John, yesterday we discussed uh, Tony Baselli and Bruce Smith and, and Bruce Smith's comments on Baselli. Now uh, Baselli will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. And what Bruce Smith was saying post-announcement, uh, post-knock at the door that Baselli would be sized up for that gold jacket. Um, Paul, in no uncertain quote from Bruce Smith, he was saying that he didn't appreciate being the guy that Boselli was judged against in the room. Yeah, he made it sound like he was under attack somehow, whereas measuring a, a would-be Hall of Famer against a Hall of Famer as a, a, a part of a case for a guy who's a candidate is, is no slight, nothing to be insulted about. It's odd, isn't it? Well, first of all, I don't ever remember Bruce Smith's name coming up. Maybe I was in the bathroom. Do you remember anybody bringing up Tony Baselli versus Bruce Smith? Yeah, it came Maybe up. Maybe you do. I don't. Well, then I must have been in the bathroom. I think it was insulting to Tony Baselli, who and for a period was as good as I've seen at left tackle since Anthony Munoz. And I think it makes Bruce Smith look terrible. And Baselli has taken a high road. I'm glad we finally put him in. And I think it just makes Smith look terrible. Yeah, I don't know why now is the timing. They clearly have a beef with each other. Um, and it doesn't have to be a big one, but... Bruce Smith isn't someone that we hear from all that often, John. And so whenever it was him and Baselli, two, for the most part, quiet guys in terms of causing any type of friction, um, this goes back a ways. It goes back, the, to, to me, um, Bruce Smith's been used in other cases, I'm sure. He would have to be. He's one of all-time greats. Um, and to be compared to him in any way, uh, at any position of dominance would be a, a compliment to the guy, not not uh, the other way around in, in Baselli's case. Well, when I was in the bathroom and Paul heard him talking about it, I'm sure <laughs> it was complimentary, but I my vote for Tony Baselli, which I've been doing for years, had nothing, didn't have jack squat to do with anything about Bruce Smith, who I think has embarrassed himself. Uh, my, my first thought was, who knew that Tony Baselli was living in the head of Bruce Smith for so long? that he's still so worked up over that game and, and holds such a grudge uh, because he was outplayed in a playoff game in 1996. Maybe he kicked him in the footballs. <laughs> John, I said, uh, I said yesterday, I don't know how you, how you judge offensive linemen if you're not judging them against the all-time greats on the pass rush end of things because there's no stat line that you can just get up there and list where they, where they rank in all-time catches or pass, it, pass attempts versus completions, completion percentage, uh, 
uh, any touchdown throws, catches, sacks. I mean, offensive linemen are judged by how well they protect and who they protect for and what they did over the course of that career and who they're matched up against. And I would want to know how he did against the all-time greats who are already enshrined in Canton. I want to know how many all-pro teams they made, first or second team. How many when they were voted to the Pro Bowl as a starter, not a backup or an alternate. What did defensive coordinators who drew up game plans think about them? What about defensive line coaches and players as well? I want to hear from all of them when it comes to an offensive lineman. There are no brainers like Bruce Matthews, but then most of them are debatable, and you need every piece of evidence that you can get. And Dominican Sue is, is not going to return to, to Tampa. Uh, but there are uh, multiple reports out there that he's going to end up somewhere by the time camp rolls around. The Vikings have been mentioned within the last couple of hours as a team that is, is talking with Sue's agent, the Raiders, uh, maybe Raiders. Yeah. He's 35 years old, John. And I think every year at this time, we wonder if he's done. Um, what do you think of, of Sue and his availability and, and where he could end up. He's always available. I think he's only missed two games in his career. That is remarkable for a guy who plays inside where all the hitting is, where all the cheap shots are, and he's been that durable. If you get him, you know he's going to be there. And I think he's got a Super Bowl ring. I would want him in my defensive line if I was a team that had a chance to go to the playoffs. The Raiders need somebody at his position, and they've got a chance to make the playoffs again. Don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender. Vikings, I'm not sure about. He always gets a pretty good deal financially. So I'm going to say wherever he signs, it's going to come down to money. John McClain. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. He joins us on Tuesdays here on the show. John, thank you as always. Have a great week. Jonathan, Paul, and Chad Lack, thank you very much as always. And it's great to be back on the air in Nashville for my 23rd year in a row. Thank Thanks, you. John. Love having you on, John. Thank you. John McLean, the general, the man in black with us uh, so each many and nicknames. every Tuesday uh, talking all things NFL. Coming up, Ryan Fitzpatrick is official to Amazon Prime. We'll tell you exactly his role and what's next for that Thursday night broadcast. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this day a decade ago, OutKick 360 rolls on. Guys, 10 years ago today, we threw out the first pitch in the minor league uh, baseball game as a show. That's a fun day. How many years? Ten years ago. Wow. Wow. Ten Long years. time ago. That we, makes us feel old. It was that, uh, there was a Make-A-Wish kid there that looked miserable uh, because he was had to take a photo with us after throwing out the first pitch. I don't remember that. That was not his wish. It was certainly recall. not his wish. To, his uh, wish was not to meet us that day. Maybe his, his wish was to throw out the first pitch, but not to you know have to share the moment with, yeah. with three guys that were on local radio. Why did they make him do that? 
Why do they make us do that with a Make-A-Wish person? <laughs> That's the better question. That's way what worse. A day, than what a day to give to us. That so is way you get worse. To share the spotlight with a Make-A-Wish kid. That is way worse than anything I said about the Make-A-Wish guy on the Super Bowl set. Yet I've been hammered for that, and you. What's way just worse? Said what he just said. That was not bad at all. You why? said, "Why would we have to take a picture with the Make a Wish kid?" No, I'm saying, why would they do that to us? In that you can't possibly steal the spotlight from a Make a Wish kid. Right. That was an insult to it us. Was his, in fact, we, he should have had the day to himself. They put us, right. the radio guys, on top of that. This is Paul having a hard time with retention of what's being said no, again. I got what you what said. What you said was far worse. And what was it with a Make-A-Wish kid and how much time he got? Make-A-Wish kid should not I'm have been on the I'm saying this Make-A-Wish kid, I think Hutton understood what I'm saying. Yeah. He deserved more time. This is his moment. He should not have shared the mound with us. It was us and that the mascot ridiculous. and him. And I don't even remember. The poor, the poor guy who wasn't playing that day had to I'm, run out of the bullpen and catch all the uh, the first pitches, which is just like he told us. I remember talking to him like, you you draw the short straw and you have to go do that yeah i'm now pissed off the sounds uh <laughs> having talked about this well we did change that 10 uniform years ago today chad was upset with the national I, uh, well two moments now that i hate the sounds the uniform unveiling that was terrible that we changed and then now this now that i remember that there was a make-a-wish kid there and they put us on the same night stealing the spotlight from him where they shouldn't have done that and i do remember the catcher just not happy to be there at all. We're trying yeah. to yuck it up. And with he was him, cool. He's just he like, was cool about it. He's like, guys, yeah, I mean, like, kind of just let's get had to, to get catch it over. With. Yeah, he said because we were debating on how we would throw the first pitch. Uh, he's like, just from throw the it mound. nice and easy. Yeah, and he was like, guys, like he was like, honestly, Hutton. He's like, just just throw it. Like, don't try to. He talked us off the mound. He said, go right in front of the mound and just throw it. Yeah, to he's me. like, just get it, just get it across the plate so I can go back to the the you know okay. back to the bullpen. It's also. I mean, look, we're we did out, have a great batting practice with them. Yes, we're throwing out the first pitch at a minor league baseball game, so you know attendance isn't going to be great. All eyes aren't on you <laughs> oh, before no, the game. It's packed, but keep uh, a huge ovation. You really don't understand how little people care about the first pitch until you watch a video of yourself throwing out the first pitch, and it's just way more depressing. A smattering of applause. Oh, oh right. yeah, I think I heard of those guys. One time Everyone before. was great. watching. Nope. I remember it differently. No one cared. <laughs> not a single person cared uh and we all did well from what i remember yeah i remember i went a little low and away uh paul went with a nice easy lob for yes. a strike he lobbed it I in threw a strike I, I i threw it a little harder but it was low and away but i remember it did not bounce paul went batting practice because the catcher caught it but he said i thought you were going to bounce it low and away for a second i was going to be upset with it. i remember him telling me that because that was his one thing he's like just don't bounce it we don't want to take he told me the pretty pitch Way to throw a strike. Yeah, the guy who just wanted all of us to lob it from in front of the mound told you great pitch. Good job, Paul. Pretty pitch. Way to gun a strike. Exactly what way I wanted. Nice gun and a strike slow. in there. I don't need you out here flexing your muscles. Way to fire how, a strike How hard there. you can throw it. Just get me a strike. Way to zip a strike in there. Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, official to Amazon Prime in their Thursday night football broadcast. We... We knew he was headed there. They made it official today. I think it'd be great. Here's my question. He's with Tony Gonzalez and Richard Sherman. How much do you think they put them in a room together and tested it? Um, they didn't. That's my problem. They didn't, but um, I don't know how often that actually takes place anymore. I think it needs to take place all the time. I think that's why most of these shows are not as good as they could be. I, I like all three of those guys. I think they should be good. I think Fitzpatrick would be the best of the lot. 
But if they don't have good natural chemistry, you should find out about it before. You shouldn't just drop them in and find out on opening day or warm-ups after you sign them. I don't, I don't understand why star power does away with screen testing. I, I think what Amazon is doing and what Apple TV is going to do to the sports broadcasting world is going to be something to behold in that this is almost like the live tour and that they had infinite stacks of cash and they just go and spend what they feel like they need to in the moment because they think there's a bidding war. I don't right. know that but there's some the big three bidding guys war. you pick if you have unlimited money. But again, I, I don't know that there's a bidding war for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's going to do great. I think he's going to be a good media personality. Do I think that every network is up in the ante to get him? No. No. They they might be bidding against well, one other network, but, but Paul, you're, you're, they spend whatever they want. You fail to realize the the details of this. He was not their first pick or their second pick or their third pick. They were turned down multiple times throughout this process. For guy, I mean, Sean Payton originally was going to get twenty million dollars a year to leave and join Amazon. I understand their desire for star power, but there are a lot of stars out there, and I think it's more important that you have a star who's good. And I think you got to make sure not that he's good. I think Fitzpatrick will be good. I'm not positive about Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez has been on network television. He's been on. He was on Fox for years, and he never bowled me over. So I think you need to get the three of them in a room and make sure that, that it jives and that it's good. I don't understand why that's a crime or an insult. That's not an insult. It's an audition. But they'll, they'll be doing that now. They've got them together now. They'll, they'll be doing test runs. Well, it's too late now. Um, no, it's not. I mean, well, if they, they guys, suck now, they're under contract. They're, they're told to sit on, on, a, on a set and discuss football. I mean, Tony Gonzalez has been doing that for years. Richard Sherman's been doing this on his podcast. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has played for practically every organization in the league. Like He's the least of our concerns of those two guys, and we haven't even seen him on TV do this. We've seen the other guys do this in either in bi-week settings, in Richard Sermon's case, or Tony Gonzalez for the last five or six years. I just well, think it, because we've seen so many people be bad at this, you ought to sit them down and try them out before you sign them to a big contract. I, I don't think, think that's asking a lot. I think Drew Brees screen-tested with NBC, and it lasted a, a year. You know, I mean, And I thought it was fine. But it just didn't pop to NBC's well, liking. He didn't want the job they gave him. And he didn't really, he didn't really want it. You so. think they're screen testing Tom Brady? No. but At Fox? I don't think Fitz or Gonzalez or Sherman are Tom Brady. Well, if you want them, you just hire them on and find the role for them. I just, again, I don't. There's so much money to go around with Apple and Amazon. They just don't yeah. care. They go I, get I who they want. Care. That's a name that we want. We'll get them, and we'll get people to train them if they're not perfect right off the bat. I think that's their line of thinking. I don't like it. I want them to care. Well, they've put together a pretty good studio show on top of the fact they have Al Michaels calling their games on Thursday night with Kirk Herbstreet. It's going to be a solid broadcast. I hope so. Final hour will be two.